and welcome to AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. My name's Rachel, and I am joined today by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hey, Rachel. How are you been? Haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, I know. I've I've been away for like a while, and then it like it hasn't worked out like the last couple times. But yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Yeah. And today, uh, we'd like to welcome our listeners to our 30th episode. It's a big, uh, big 3-0. And I thought since we were hitting that number, it would be too good to have our main topic today be the 30th anniversary of Pixar Animation Studios. So we're good. So the main plan is for the episode after we get through our usual news and what we've watched this week segments, we're going to take a look at the studio as a whole and, you know, how far they've come since for 30 years, and uh, they talk about their various films and shorts that they've produced. So, it's I'm, I'm excited. Because <laughs> I've been <laughs> growing up with Pixar films for a you know, I think I was, that was the, Toy Story was the very first one I mm. ever saw, so it's it's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I kind of feel the same way about like Harry Potter, where it's like <laughs> oh, I kind of grew up with that as it kind of was being produced, and uh, yeah, I feel the same way about Pixar. All right, well, it's going to be fun talking about that, but first, real quick, let's get through the news that has come out this past couple weeks, as it's been a, been a while since we had uh, released an episode, so let's get right off the bat with uh, the results from the Annie's that just, uh, I already forget when, when the Annie's happened, because I actually couldn't tune in to watch it. Yeah, well, not good, well, I sometimes... I, I sometimes find myself like staying up late and catching it, but this one seemed to be on like way later than usual, mm-hmm. so I didn't. I think they're on. I think they're usually like the end of January. Yeah, uh, which is when these ones must have been. Mm-hmm. But one um, of the interesting things about this year's uh, Annie Awards: uh, Pixar basically cleaned house as. Uh... That's no that's no surprise but uh, inside out I believe got 11 of the of the awards. Holy crap, really? Yeah, they got 11. Uh, best animated feature, outstanding director in an animated feature mm-hmm. and writing um The Good Dinosaur actually won for outstanding effects. I'm I yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and um uh, I believe the uh what was the for uh the short film Sanjay Superteam. Sanjay Superteam, I believe, got the uh, short film award. Oh, did it? I, b- I believe it did? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think that Best Animated Short Subject was World of Tomorrow. Oh, World of Tomorrow did that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Sanjay, Super, Sanjay Superteam was uh, nominated. Nominated, yeah, it was nominated. Um, notably. Uh, Whoops. Lava wasn't. <laughs> um... Yeah, and Inside Out, like, won um, Character Animation Award and uh, Music. Yeah, it really did. It it, it took a lot of awards. Voice acting, uh, Phyllis Smith. Yeah. Okay. Though there was also a very uh, heated competition uh, for the independent and uh, best animated, yeah, best animated feature independent film. Which um, Ale Abru's Boy in the World was able to take that one, um, competing with The Prophet, Marnie was there, and Boy and the Beast. Right. And I'm actually really happy that it's uh, Boy in the World was able to get that uh, award. Not that the other films 
were not deserving of that. I think in my <laughs> mind they're all winners, but it was it's good to get you know that that film got some more recognition. Yeah, no, I think it, yeah, it really is important because Boy and the Beast and when Marnie was there, they get you know all the recognition they need in Japan because it's a very um, uh, like self-sustaining you know industry there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Prophet, you know, is an independent um, independent movie. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, it, it is cool that, you know. Speaking of which, The Prophet is an awesome film, and we have a review for it on the site, uh, written by our, uh, written by Joe, so if you want to find out more about that film, I would highly recommend checking in that, that review. Still no word of a UK release or anything. I think there oh, might darn screen- it. there might have been, like, screenings at festivals, but, um, it's not, like, easily available here at all. Hopefully, it will be sometime mm. in the near future. But see, what other what other uh, important awards that came out of the Annies? Uh, I believe well, I, the thing like the Annies is like there are awards for character animation in a live action production, character animation in a feature production, storyboarding in a, and storyboarding in TV, storyboarding in the feature, and it's it's. I mean, we're not going to be able to cover them all, and don't worry, I don't think we're going to be. <laughs> uh, but it's, I'm just, I'm just always, um, the, I just love them because <laughs> where else are you going to be able to award someone for like storyboarding in a mm-hmm. in, in TV or in you know in feature animation? It's, that's, it's hard, that's hard work. It's good. It's good to get some recognition for all the hard work that you put into stuff like you know all the, the little aspects that go into filmmaking or yeah it, it is episode. it is and it's like um you know on in the oscars when they'll they'll have um makeup awards or hair sorry hair and makeup or um or costume design or production design and they think like they're honoring like each little facet of movies and there's still like many more that they they'll miss out that they'll have to because there just isn't enough. Cause like, you know, that's what credits are for basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with, but with animation, it's always just the whole movie is rewarded rather than a breakdown of, you know, who did what and who did, you know, who provided the, all these wonderful aspects that yeah, made the movie what it was. Mm, mm. Cause all of that plays a factor. Well, uh, first off, uh, congratulations to all the uh, winners and nominees for the Annie Awards. It was, like I said, everyone's a winner in my opinion, since all amazing, amazing uh, competition of films this year. Mm. But moving along to our next story is uh, the announcement of a new animation studio that's based in Montreal, Canada, called Cinecite Animation. Um, I believe it it was only just announced that uh, it's going to be employing at least 500 permanent staff by the end by 2020 so they're looking to still get off the ground but it's it's interesting that they've already announced made a couple announcements of what they're uh kind of uh what films they're actually going to be working toward in the next couple years as they continue to you know bring more people on board yeah yeah no it's it's really cool um this is like something which has happened a couple of times before like frame store tried which is a vfx uh house mm-hmm. um in london tried um to get into features and they made one the tale of despero 
Oh, uh, okay. I'm and it didn't, it didn't go too well, so they kind of uh, knocked the idea on the head. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting how, how this one turns out. Um, the interesting thing for me was that um, one of the... Uh, like they've, they've announced like the two features that they're developing at the moment. Yeah. One of them is Klaus, which is a yes. film about Father Christmas told from the perspective of like a postman. Interesting, um, uh, interesting choice. Yeah, but the, the, the cool thing is, like, there's already um, a short, uh, like, proof-of-concept film uh, oh. demonstrating, like, how the movie looks. And it's, it's, on, it's on the site um, mm-hmm. in the article. And it's this beautiful, like, mesmerizing mix of CG and 2D animation. Oh, fabulous. And it really, it's it's like 2D animation, but it's rendered like with a real, um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's rendered like with all these textures and the lighting is, 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 uh, is amazing. Oh, so the interesting thing is that it's a VFX studio, which is going to be producing a 2D animated movie. Oh. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was directed by um, Sergio Pavlos, who who's like an animator, the brilliant animator. He's, he's also animated a lot of it, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm, it, it, it made an impression. I think it played Annecy last okay. year and it made an impression on, on people then. So, uh, if, if that, if, if that short film is anything to go by, then, uh, Klaus is going to be like really special and, and fun. Yeah. And they also mentioned, um, other than Klaus, they're uh, basing another. There's this based off uh, Michael, I believe his name's Michael Flatley's Sage Show River Dance. I can't yeah. say familiar, but it sounds. Um, like, I know what river dancing is. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, unfamiliar because a river dance was like something of a phenomena in the like early nineties, mid nineties. And I'm, I was I was thoroughly bored by it, even as a kid. <laughs> as a kid. So it seems like an odd thing, but you know. Um... Well, given this uh, animation style that they that they're already going with with uh, Klaus, if they're planning on using the exact same kind of um, style with their films, like with most of the other films that they're planning on doing, I would love to see like more of like a kind mm-hmm. of very like physical, like you know, dancing and kind of animation in a film like that. Just to see what it can do. Yeah. How much you can you get yeah. away, you know, with merging 2D and 3D animation. I've already been really impressed with other examples of that, but it's just I would love to see more. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 kind of weird. It seems to it, it reminded me of um uh actually it reminded me of the tra- you know um there was the trailer for Sing, the new Illumination movie. Yeah. Um there are some shots in that where the lighting just looked like kind of lushly rendered 2D to me. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it, this this seems to just kind of look similar. But it instead of, you know, um, it's kind of meeting it from the other side, basically. Yeah. It, they, they, they look kind of similar in how they look with the realistic lighting and the cool, you know, the the cool textures and everything. But... This one just happens to be coming from a 2D 
like um, foundation, and the other seems is the other is coming from uh, CG foundation. So I think really, like when you consider how audiences react to how things look, I don't know if many people would definitely know the difference. Yeah, I get what you're saying. They'll look at these movies and they'll go, well, it's animation because all animation has nice lighting now and textures and that's just what they can do. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) There's more to it than that, folks. (laughs) But yeah, it's going to be... We'll have to keep our eye on... uh, We'll have to keep our eye on Cinesite Animation and see how uh, things continue to develop with that studio and see what... And keep an eye on uh, Klaus's production. And see yeah, when it comes we'll, out. Wait and see. Yeah. All right. Moving along is just a little quick aside. Um, since we've meant, had mentioned this in a uh, news-related uh, post a while back, and also in one of our previous podcasts, when uh, it was announced that DreamWorks and Netflix were going to be teaming up, they've released their first kind of poster for the uh, Voltron show that they're going to be. Mm-hmm. to take care uh, to release on Netflix and uh really not too much to go on as of right now other than the fact that we can actually see that you know what how they're you know st- they've styled the title and maybe getting like this <laughs> really beautiful like starlit background with like these clouds and you mm-hmm. kind of see the robot in the back or just like the, the silhouette of the robot but really at this point that could mean anything <laughs> Yeah, I can't even tell if it's going to be 2D or 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 CG or CG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very little to go off. It, it's 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 just, it, it's always just kind of it's just kind of weird to me like that they're making a Voltron thing because wasn't Voltron one of those shows which was like assembled from? It was. It was two or three Japanese anime, anime series, series all compiled yeah. into one thing. Form feet and legs. Form arms and body. And I'll form the head. Because I know the primary one that, you know, people most associate with is Go Line because that's the, uh, that's where all the, ro- that's where the robot comes from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's true. Like there were multiple anime series combined into the, the series. It's so weird to me that like these like schlocky, not schlocky, but these like cheap, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Saturday morning, like Frankenstein cartoons are being treated like major properties now. Like they're talking about making a Robotech movie. Oh, right. I forgot about that. What? 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 I don't... It's not Robotech. It's Macross, damn it. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of just like... I guess they're just banking off nostalgia, which is mm-hmm. all anyone... That's, that's that's primarily what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Voltron and Robotech growing up. But yeah. at the same time, like I'm probably a bit more interested now to actually look into the shows that were... But that those those shows kind of cobbled together and actually see what the original interpretation was. Right, right. Yeah, I tried watching Voltron, like, a couple years ago, because I thought, oh, I remember Voltron. And I bought, like, a DVD box set, because it was cheap. Yeah. And I How lasted... How did you like it? 
I lasted about an episode and a half. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, I've managed at least five. And my, initial, <laughs> my, and my initial rewatching. I do plan on watching some more because even though I recognize now how silly as it was, I don't know. There's just something about that silliness that I just find hilarious. Like it's one of those shows mm-hmm. that you get together, a group of your buddies, and you just you just start drinking and then playing that in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like kind of you're like you're not watching it, but you are. <laughs> and laughing at it. Like I still every single time I see those damn mice, I'm just I start cracking up. Because there were there were Voltron mice, if anyone remembers in that, and they were they were so silly. I don't I don't remember that. All right, well, then I'm just weirdo. <laughs> well, we'll wait, we'll wait and see how that turns out. But uh, yeah, we'll wait. Considering the um already, I think the hub attempted to do a Voltron reboot a while back, and that kind of sputtered and died, unfortunately. <laughs> So we'll we'll have to wait and see what um, DreamWorks and Netflix bring to the table and see if how they're exactly how they're going to reboot this show. But moving along to the next story, since I've really not too much else to say about that, but um, is there's another uh, award ceremony that's going to be taking place, I believe, on March 25th, and it's called the Jameson Empire Awards uh, for 2016, and. It's basically, you know, t- uh, awards ceremony for uh, the films that have come out this past year, and and so on, like, both animated and live action. And But what makes this one interesting is the fact that instead of, like, the Oscars, where you have a certain, you know, people in the actual industry voting for the, you know, who wins what category, this one's a bit more open in that, you know, people can cut log online and actually go ahead and vote for, you know, best actor... Uh, best animated feature, what have you, and actually get a certain amount of input into the categories and what what wins. So, I even though it's there's a, given the fact that it's on the internet, there's st- there is a certain you know like I believe you were talking about it before the margin for error I guess is the word, is the phrase I'm looking for with you know people voting for what they, you know, categories they know about and putting in anything, like, random stuff for categories they don't know. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, there's no way of proving that you've seen everything which has been nominated and you can't just cherry-pick categories and just, say, vote for, you know, your favorite short film and ignore the games and the costume designs and soundtracks. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm before we even get to the movies I haven't seen, I'm not going to be able to vote because it's asking for best game. And it's like, I played like, I Arkham Knight. I played Arkham Knight and The Witcher, and the rest, I, I have no idea. Yeah. So I kind of feel it would be unfair to, to vote. But um, the interesting thing is that because, of course, it's like Empire, mm-hmm. uh, the magazine, which is uh, British which yeah. is, like, in charge of this, everything is done by UK release date. Oh. So that's why that. Best Animated Films include Inside Out, Minions, Shaun the Sheep, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which were 2015 releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's actually quite a hard... Uh, <laughs> that's that's quite... a hard lineup of films. <laughs> it's really tough. I mean, how can you choose? I mean, like just between Shaun the Sheep, Song of yeah. the Sea, and Tale of Princess Kaguya, it's just like 
don't make me pick because <laughs> they're yeah. all good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's still, I, I still think the idea that people can offer a bit more input on what wins in each category is still an interesting idea. So if anyone's interested in wanting to make their voices heard on this award ceremony and trying to, you know, help your favorite film or game or actor win an award for this, then I would I highly recommend checking out our article on AFA. And uh, there should be a link to the actual website where you can go ahead and vote. So check it out if you're interested. All right. Uh, next, a little bit of a short uh, nod to Cartoon Saloon. They uh, believe they're having a... There was a live... Uh, what was it? Was it? Interact... Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, a interactive exhibition of the making of Song of the Sea. Oh, excellent. That was, I believe, when the film first was released mm-hmm. in Ireland. So I believe they're reopening that. It's got a new... It's got a new location at... I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Siamsa Tire? <laughs> National... Uh, let's see. Your guess is as good as mine with with uh, with Irish. <laughs> Loca- is a uh, National Irish Folk Theater located in Trolley County, Kerry. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize if I'm not, but it's basically they're it's they're reopening the exhibition where they'll it's basically a walkthrough of the creation process for this film from storyboarding, uh, and there's a timeline of the film's production from concept to the actual film. And I believe it's it opened on February 19th, and it should be going till March 25th, I believe. If you want to look out more information on that, we have an article written about it. Chris put that up on uh, the day it opened. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested. And if you're in the local area, try and uh, get an opportunity to go see it. Because it sounds like a really, really interesting exhibit. Mm. Oh, something also that happened uh, recently with uh, Song of the Sea is something on like the contracts of the animators must have expired because... Um, a bunch of animators have posted their um, showreels from Song of the Sea mm-hmm. um, on Vimeo and other things, and you can track them down. Um, I'll see if I can find some links and, and post them because they're really interesting to watch. Awesome! Um, they'll have, they'll have like scenes of the movie playing alongside their rough animation. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, I love so, I love that kind of back and forth comparison. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a complete uh, geek for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. And I believe, other than one other piece of information that we might save until we actually get to our uh, discussion topic for the day, I believe that does it for news. So, we'll... Oh, um, th- there is one tiny cool bit of news that oh. I just found out today. Okay. Um. Shoot. There is going to be an Iron Giant art book. I'm sorry, could you repeat that for me? <laughs> um, it's coming out in August, I think. Oh my gosh. Um, and there are a couple of like preview images on the Amazon pre-order page. Um, but it's going to be like one of those... Um, Like gorgeous, you know, oh 
part of books with all the concept art and everything from the Iron Giant. Just in time for my birthday. <laughs> oh, that is so freaking sweet. Yeah, it's it's so cool. Um, because this stuff already happens with movies that have been and gone. Yeah, because it's, it's been a long time since any any new stuff was released for that. I mean, I know it was revived for you know for another theater mm. run a while back, but I yeah, and I was never expecting an art book. Yeah, the the, the um the cinema release was actually last week in the UK, but um it was it was done to coincide with half term, which is like a week long break for school kids. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so I just I didn't manage to make it out. And also it wasn't um it was kind of limited to a couple of cinema chains. Mm-hmm. And the nearest one was about 40 minutes away. So I wasn't going to be able to to make it, I don't know. Oh, drat. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, that art book I'm definitely going to get cuz Yeah, I like I said early birthday for me when it when that comes out. Um, like I'm normally like, I don't go out of my way to buy too many art books because I only have so much room on my shelf for books, but still, I think I'm more than capable of making an exception for Oh, Giant. yeah, I run out, I, I run out of, like, room. Long, they just stack up. They just start stacking up. Next to my, yeah. of art books. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's true organization right there. So I think that's that now is all the news. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for that surprise piece of information. (laughs) I really, I appreciate that very much. Okay. If that's it for news, then we'll just quickly go through what we've been watching this past week. And Dan, you've got a few things that you got to see this, uh, this week, right? Um, what, what did you check out? Well, it's actually from the last few weeks because I've been away and I've been, um, I went to London actually and I saw uh, Zootropolis or Zootopia. In fact, I saw Zootropolis <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll get into a little bit about why it's kind of important that I say I saw Zootropolis. I, I think it's important that I, I say I said, okay. that I say that I saw Zootropolis because I think they're subtly different movies, um, the UK and the US version. And How so? I'll, I'll get in, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. All right. It's it's a little theory I have. Okay. Um, I also um, part of the sort of like roadshow tour that it was on um, through the Japan Foundation and Anime Limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw uh, Miss Hoxstein. Um, last week, oh, cool. um, which is the uh, like the the like uh, the biopic um, centered around the life of um, O A. I think that's how you say her name. Um, who's like the daughter of um, Hokusai? You know the uh, the most famous Japanese artist. Who's you know he did the Great Wave. Yeah, we've we've we've. I think we've mentioned a bit about the plot of the film in a previous episode that it's it's basically about this this guy's daughter yeah it's yeah so um it's based on a manga um called saru suberi uh and it's it's i went in like with no expectations really mm-hmm. um i'm not really familiar with keiichi Hara's um 
other films. Uh, he's a director. Um, he directed uh, Colourful, um, which was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Summer Days with Ku. Uh, and a few like Crown Shinchan movies going back to like the nineties. Interesting. Um, or are there? Oh no, hang on, they might be episodes. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so Ms. Hogsight is um, yeah, it's 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 a it's an artist uh, biopic about this woman who lives with um, her father, who is who is Hogsight. It's it's a, it's a strange film actually. It's because it was because it was adapted from um, like a manga series. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels a little bit. Um, it's only, it, it's two hours long, but it's a long two hours. Uh, it, you, re- it you really feel like you're sitting in this. You just like is it one of those films where you're just kind of like after a while you're looking at your watch kind of thing. Well, it feels episodic, really. It feels like I'm watching, um, like, four episodes of something. Ah, okay. Um, I think I, I think rather I've got the idea than, of what kind of film you're talking rather about. Rather than there being, like, a very clear uh, thread running through. Um, and, I mean, like, that's the worst thing I have to say about it. Um, I was quite surprised. It's got, um, it's actually quite entertaining. Um... You know, it's the characters are quite nice and big, and Hoxai's like you know your typical grumpy but wise old guy who's like a little bit of a perv. And <laughs> um, actually, no, he's only he's only a perv in that he draws um, erotic uh, pictures, which is what yeah. Hoxai obviously did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the the characters are actually really good fun. Uh, any uh, standouts that you can name for the, the characters? Mm-hmm. I liked Hoxai and Miss Hoxai. <laughs> the, the, the father and the daughter. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember the characters' names actually too well. Um, <laughs> but it like it, it has its own pace and it creates like it. What it does is it sort of like creates quite a nice album of a time period, and the time period is. The um, the mid eighteen hundreds in um, in in Japan. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what city it is. I think it's no. I'm not even going to guess. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's sort of dealing a little bit with the modernization or the westernization of Japan. That's that something, was a very interesting era. That's something of a theme running through it. Yeah. So you have, um, you know, the, the, so I can't help but like refer to the events as like episodes in the film. You have episodes where it'll kind of um, deal with supernatural folkloric elements uh, for, of old Japan. Mm-hmm. And attitudes to things like spirituality um, and superstition, uh, and there are some interesting like little little things going on going on there. Basically, she's got like this stubborn, quiet father who is who is um, a very modest artist, 
and she is even more modest, uh, even more modest than him. Ah, essentially. So uh, she is, and she's an accomplished artist in her own right. Um, she's she's um, she's one of like his his uh, uh, not 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 a disciple, but like she's one of his assistants. Say if um, yeah, so he, she's got secondhand knowledge of how he you know how he does his art, and he, and she gives all of his other um, assist- they're not assistants, but they're more like um, you know. Uh, great artists tend to have their own schools yeah. and they'll have their their students. And they're kind of like these these younger guys who are students of Hokusai and she gives them a run for their money, like artistically and uh, in terms of like her poise and personal um, attitudes to things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, it's slightly undercooked in that, in in, in 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 reference to what I said earlier. It feels like it doesn't feel quite like a movie. Yeah, it feels more like a four episode or multi episode uh, show. More than, yeah, but, than an but I movie. I was really impressed and in, and enjoyed it. And you know the the character animation is lovely. There are some great funny acting moments. Um, and it's it, it's something also like of a a cool history lesson if you don't know about the time period um, in Japan. Obviously, it's it's drawn like quite cartoonily, and it's not trying to be realistic, no, um, or like completely historically accurate. Um, but it's got some interesting things going on, so I, I recommend um, checking it out if you're interested. Of course, definitely. That's like I've. Well, like a lot of Japanese history I really enjoy learning about, and that's a particular era. There's a lot, there was a heck of a lot going on. So another yeah. look inside that would be wonderful. Yeah, I, I can imagine if if you are interested in Japanese history, it's going to be very interesting to you. There are some, uh, there's there's a lot going on um, with like gender and gender identity within the film. Yeah. Um, she there's a point where she visits. Um, a male prostitute who has many male uh, clients. Oh. Um, and there, there are like little interesting things like that going on where I said, oh yeah, I wasn't too aware that that was the case back then. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's enjoyable enough. It's, it's just a tricky film to talk about because it doesn't have a story. There are things that happen and there are things that change and it's more like a character study more than anything. Yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's worth checking out. And I was go- going in not knowing or expecting anything. I was impressed, actually. Very cool. I think and, it was on you. And I know you can't talk about it too much, since you, uh, but any impressions from uh, Zootropolis? And your, I believe you said that there's a reason why you think it might be why okay. the different name. Um. Well... Uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it. I'll I'll talk about that. I'll say first of all, I'm if you like me, I avoided everything after the second trailer with the um with the sloth. Yeah. Um so and I went in like quite cold to the film, not knowing anything, and I I loved it. I had a great time. So if you want that, then stop listening right now and uh, <laughs> skip ahead um 
to uh, hear about what Rachel's been watching. Yeah, well, we'll and, make sure to leave in the in the episode description where we talk about what. So yeah, we'll we'll I'll put, I'll make sure the exact time code is in there. Um, but I'm not going to discuss anything beyond like the trailers, uh, beyond like the setup of the film because there are a few nice surprises going on. Oh, um, great, that's wonderful. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's uh, it's 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 from the director of um, Bolt, and uh, it's also directed by um, Rich Moore, who directed. Um, uh, Wreck It Ralph. Oh my god. That's so two directors who both made films that I absolutely adore. By, so by, that, I'm, I'm sold Byron, already. Byron Howard and Rich Moore. Um and it's as you can tell, like it's not like a Disney fairy tale Disney Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh it's it's a very funny, like modern uh film. Uh, kind of dealing with like modern ideas and like worries and sensibilities. Um, just I was, with animals. Yeah, well, not just with animals. Like it's important that they are animals. And uh, as I said, like way back when I first heard about this movie, I was like, oh, okay, they wouldn't be telling a story with animals unless they were going to be talking about things thematically um about like the differences of living with people or in some way saying something about modern like multicultural societies Hmm. and i'm pleased to say that they do and they did it in a really interesting cool entertaining surprising way and that's what i'm gonna say about it because it's it's a joy to like discover that on your own. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Okay, so I saw uh, Zootropolis, and uh, it has like different names in every country. Um, the directors were actually there, and they introduced the film, and they had a Q and A afterwards. Um, Ooh, that's cool. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec. And they um, and they mentioned like in Germany, it's called Zoomania. And in it has different names all over Europe, um, which is crazy. Hmm. They did that on purpose. Well, no, not really. It's this Disney obsession with avoiding lawsuits, basically. Ah, and okay. Apparently, in Denmark, there is a zoo called Zootopia. Oh. Okay. And something to do with copyright law is like prevents just just means that they are just avoiding lawsuits, basically. Okay. Well. It's, it's not that anyone's going to be confused that they think the movie is a zoo or anything like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I heard, and it's for better or worse, that's that's what they've done. The strange thing is that Zootopia is not just the name of the movie; it's also the name of the city in the movie. Oh, so it has to be whatever the name of the city that they want it that that's going to be. Yeah. Uh... So so they've they've. Every single mention of Zootopia in the movie is Zootropolis in the UK version. Hmm. And for me, it was really interesting um, because they they say it a lot, um, the name of the city. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't every every time I heard Zootropolis, I was think I, it kind of took me out of the film a bit, and I was thinking, oh, they're saying Zootropolis. But the the the, 
the interesting thing is that Zootopia is like a pun, right, on Utopia. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you don't get that when you say Zootropolis because Tropolis just means. So, I don't know. What does it mean? So it's a play on um, where Metropolis meaning large city. Right, right. Uh, exactly. So it's. It doesn't really have the same connotations. If you know what I mean. So I, I think time, I do, but I'm. Every time someone says Zootopia, within that is the pun of. You know, like them skirting around the word utopia. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing utopia, and someone's saying, "I want to go to utop- Zootopia." It sounds like they're like saying perfect society, mm-hmm. place, city, what have you. And and the film is, and the film kind of deals with that a little bit. And it's really weird that it has a completely different. I think it has a. I, I'm kind of convinced that it has a completely different effect, actually. <laughs> if you watch for the better UK. or for worse is my question. <sighs> I'm still questioning that myself. I think, like, almost in the UK version, it might be slightly more of a surprise when something happens at the end. There is a scene where... Um, I don't want to talk... To, I, I'm not going to mention it, but... Okay, all right. Well, this is like the start of the discussion, basically. I think that it matters. <laughs> Everyone else who I saw the movie with, my friends, we came out and we said it was really, really funny. And I said, so it's called Zootopolis. And I, I mentioned this like theory. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, Dan, you're thinking about it way too much. Just, <laughs> just calm down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's um, if people go and see it, I think they'll love it. It's, it's genuinely really funny. Um. It's and I I loved it because um, I I was not a fan of um, Big Hero Six. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you mentioned that before. Um, because it just didn't like work as a full movie. It's kind of like it stops being the movie that it is halfway through and turns into something else. Into something else, but yeah. that that is not the case with this movie. No, no, Zootopia is great, and the characters are are really. Um, I I love um, Judy, the main character. Um, she's just great, and it's, it's it's funny. It's a funny movie, and Idris Elba is great in it too. As um, as Chief, I think it's called Chief Bogo. Uh, I'm just trying to remember which one he is. I think he's the the big the big. Guy. He's, the, he's the rhino. Oh, oh no, right, no, okay. Rhino. He's the um, it's it's like a bison. I think it's a bison. Water buffalo. Yeah, something like that. There, 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 they're, they're all mammals. I didn't yeah. notice that actually watching the movie that they're all mammals. <laughs> yeah, and they're just no... in the police force. They're all the really large, kind of intimidating ones. Mm. I picked up on, and then you've just got the little, little yeah. Judy in the middle, so, the middle of all of them. I don't even want to talk about the story because I think the story is a lovely little surprise in itself. Okay. Um. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed it a lot, and we'll talk about it more when it comes out. Um, I can talk a little bit. There was a really, um, really cool Q&A after the movie with Byron Howard and Rich Moore. Yeah, how was, what was that like? It was great. They had like prepared a presentation about the making of the movie, and they mentioned like Byron Howard was with the movie from the very beginning. And like it started off being a completely different thing. It was like there was a 
It was always a rabbit and a fox. Okay, they were always the primary characters. But it turned like it, it was a it was a spy movie. It was like a James Bond kind mm. of detective thing. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um and then he said he pitched that and then everyone went, Well that's I don't know what that's about, but we <laughs> liked the beginning. And the beginning was um about like the city where all the animals live together. So they kind of developed it um, out of that one little seed of the idea. Um, they developed it f- f- from there, really. Okay, and then it became the film that you saw. Yeah, which is actually like, um, it's a cop movie, really. It's, yeah, it's a buddy, buddy cop movie. It's a buddy cop movie, but it's a real buddy cop movie. It really feels like, and they they spoke about how they watched like a bunch of um like 80s cop movies like oh wow cop and 48 hours and all of those you know um uh and and it really does feel like it it's it's like, like authentic and they were saying that um they were aware that when they were making it like oh this is going to be like many kids like first exposure to that world so we have a real responsibility to make like the first cop movie they see a really good cop movie <laughs> That's a really interesting uh, way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was really interesting, like hearing about all that. And then they they told us a great story about um, uh, the research trip they went on because everything you know for them they said goes back to research. Oh yeah. And they went to Africa, and they studied the animals, and they you know they did that whole thing that. Disney can do because they have a bunch of money to just <laughs> hack all pack all their artists off to Africa and it's like okay now watch these animals and just make when you do the movie just make them move like that or something like that yeah and and they do uh, the really cool thing is like the animals they've um they've done a great job of making the animals move not like humans oh wow really animals yeah the animals um like kind of have these like little weird um ticks where the where they will like um do something that is like how the animal moves like the giraffes kind of gallop a little bit and they walk oh right i think in the, in the very first teaser trailer they kind of show you all of them moving a little bit and i saw that the that the giraffes did kind of move like that a little way they just kind of had an interesting like you said like a tick yeah, and, and there's this really weird thing that rabbits do um, that they explain to us where when startled, they'll kind of jump um, and kick at the same time. Yeah, I've seen, I, I actually had a rabbit and I saw her do that a lot. And when, like, when Judy is, like, running around and chasing people through the city, she'll do that every now and again, <laughs> like, through a door or something. And you don't really notice it when you're watching the movie, but it's there. And it, the film's like really fun to watch because it's really rich with those little observations. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's... Um, I hope it does really well because I think it deserves to because it's, um, it's really funny. And I like this new breed of Disney movie where they're not trying to make it like a legacy picture, you know? Yeah, it's like... This will be remembered for ever and an age, kind of, kind of film. But just kind of like, no, well, even if it, it, it does or it doesn't, let's just make a good movie. 
Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Um, but that being said, they did say that they looked back, like through the legacy of animal movies at Disney. Because there are um, a few. There are a bunch, and they were saying like, "Well, okay, my favorites are The Jungle Book and probably Robin Hood." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly because Robin Hood's so fun, and Zootopia is really fun as well, for the same reason in like lots of cases." Yeah, I think I remember when I was looking at the design for uh, Nick Wilde and uh, mm-hmm. when we were first announcing the film, I did get like a it, 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 like a serious nostalgia flashback of actual the design for Robin Hood in that early Disney film. Like, I mean, it's not oh, yeah. identical. Oh, but I, you can definitely see where like, some of the inspiration came from. Absolutely, but and it's kind of got the same like joy of like. Um... When uh, like a new bunch of animals arrive, like they'll they'll cut, every now and again there'll be a joke like um, all the lawyers are um, wildebeest or something, <laughs> you know. Like they'll have like little jokes like that. So I, I think in Robin Hood, the um, a lot of the archers were vultures. Is that right? Oh god! Um, the, the archers themselves were like this kind of like dog kind of thing, but there were two um, there were two guards that were like there were the two vultures, right? But One it's had kind of an axe. The other had a crossbow. Yeah, they kind of have like the same sort of fun with like, oh, what sort of animal would like that job be? Or um, it's like which animal do you think would have be the best assigned for this job or not that job? Uh, or yeah. oh, the the rabbits are adorable in this film. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're really cute. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it, so I'm not going to bang on about it. But, uh, All right, well, I think, it, I think yeah. everything we talked about is a good, a good first impression, so... Yeah. When it comes, yeah. Like, wherever it comes out in the UK or in the US, go see it. It's out in the US uh, 4th of March, and it's out in the UK on the 25th. Okay, cool. Go see it, people. It, 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 it's going to be good. All right, uh, not... Really, compared to that, I really, like, what I've done this week hasn't, you know, I wouldn't put it as up high up as like, being able to actually get to see you know, Zootopia or Zootropolis, as it were. But I still it was pretty big because this past week, uh, the 15th of February, there was the big conclusion to Gravity Falls. Oh, of course. And I'm not going to get too into it because I'm going to say, I want to save that discussion for uh, when next time we have Jill on, on the show. Because... Considering the fact that's that's the big TV finale, mm. I think that was where we can get in a bit more spoiler territory. But I keep exactly thinking, happened. I wonder, I wonder if I'll be able to uh, binge it <laughs> before then. Uh well, I get started now. Yeah, get started now. Maybe you might be by the time we get to it, we might you might be ready. But, so I've um, I've I've only seen like four episodes, so um, I think Gravity Falls is kind of fine and quite funny. Uh, but for someone who's like done the whole journey, how did you feel about the finale? Uh, it was, I say it was a satisfying ending. They, they Mm -hmm. tied up most, all of the plot threads and the mystery and everything that happened with between the characters. And it was a very poignant ending, I think. Oh, good. There there were one or two things which I felt like could have been done a bit better like there was uh i think there was one thing that was mentioned that kind of never came up again but that's that's me nitpicking really because most of everything uh, everything else got resolved it's it's also really really hard to um 
give like a satisfying um, tie up with the narrative when it comes to a show which is only 20 minutes in running length. Yeah. Uh, is, was, was that the same with the finale? It wasn't any longer than a normal episode. Well, actually, the finale was a whole hour long. This, this, uh, the part three, because it it's been, the finale in all, in all, it's been uh, three part, you know, first they had the first part of Weird Mageddon, the second mm-hmm. part, which uh, I don't think we, uh, I think because Jill and I discussed the first part, we didn't get a chance to discuss the second part, which were both around a half an hour long, or 20 minutes long, whereas this one was an hour. Oh, right. So they were, they were actually able to cram a whole lot more in uh-huh. to this one. Which I think paid off big time. Yeah, that's they were, cool. they were able to to get a whole ton of stuff to happen in this episode, and it was all so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it got element also. It also got pretty darn intense. If anyone who's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's very intense, drama like action and drama. For, uh, and, I'm but intrigued. also a good a good amount of humor too, because it's Gravity Falls, and if there aren't you know jokes to be made, that they're, they're gonna make sure that they get those in. Uh-huh. But the jokes felt natural; it wasn't like it didn't feel like the humor was forced at any point. It's just kind of like that. That's the charm of that Gravity Falls had. That any time that they take an opportunity for a joke or to make fun of something, that they it, it feels well placed. Uh-huh. So it was it was really really cool to get to see the finale and the way it did and I'm I'm really yeah. glad I saw it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't like heard anyone majorly disappointed by it. <laughs> Cuz like I said there was just so much so much to love just like really if you're going to nitpick, you know, everything you find negative about it, you're going to have to really seriously nitpick. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm now it's now it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably gonna like quite quickly go back and check it out because I'll know exactly how much of a commitment it's gonna be. <laughs> well, hopefully, I so, said like the next time uh, we get you on the show and we do manage to actually have a spoiler discussion about it, then I hope I hope you can join us by then. Maybe, maybe. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, other than that, I haven't actually had a chance to watch too many like shows or anything other than the usual like Star Wars Rebels which is also continuing to pick up some more steam with this with this uh, second half of their season mm-hmm. and yeah, I started watching that again actually um, I think through Netflix like Brazil or something but then Netflix like um, put down a big iron door and you can't like uh, hop to, to another country's Netflix anymore, uh, right. using a like tunnel bear or DNS whatever thing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really have any way of watching it oh, apart no. from. I mean, other than because I, I could have sworn that the Disney made sure that the episodes were put up online, right? They might. Oh, oh, really? On on uh, on like their site? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's because I remember I was looking when we were first. You know what? I never, I never expect it to be that easy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> That's like Cartoon Network having a, you know, every episode of Steven Universe on there. It's just that's far too. They really should work on that. 
because yeah, they, ease, they ease of watch would make thing get a lot more people onto their to watch their shows. Well, they say they have it on iTunes, um, which is expensive. Yeah, basically. Come on, guys! It's this thing called streaming. You don't have that. It's basically free, maybe with a little subscription, perhaps. But there's. It's a thing that can actually be just as profitable. Cartoon Network um, is like a commercial cable uh, company, right? They have like ad breaks and things. Yeah. Right, okay. Hmm. I don't know. Anyways, with the. That's that's a thing I'm trying to keep up with, but um, one interesting thing that in terms of uh, video games that I actually got the chance to try out this past week uh, was. Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Ninja Storm 4 that I believe came out last Tuesday. Oh cool. Is that a... is that a fighting game? Yeah, it's a, it's a fighting game. It's a part it's the final installment of a long series of fighting games that they've been releasing along with the series. And uh oh god, what was Yeah, this is the fourth installment. The but the company that developed it's called a uh, CyberConnect 2 and they've done a whole bunch of Really interesting work. Like, they're sure as Wrath. They did the Dot Hat games way back when. But one of the things I've, I really enjoy about their games is that they've got a very unique style when it comes to the animation, the video game animation. And right. uh, I remember falling in love with it back when I first played the Dot Hack Do You uh, series. And when they got, you know, on board to do the Naruto uh, spin off games. They basically just kind of went all out on almost each and every installment, each one looking more beautiful than the last. And yeah, I like to say, for the most part, they're they are keeping that going with uh, Ultimate Ninja Storm Four because it's they'll have pieces of when they're because basically what they do is they tell the story of the Naruto series from a certain point. You know, they'll they'll stop they'll start okay. and stop at different points depending on which game you're playing. And uh, Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, it takes place like in the very climax of the uh, the big uh, ninja war that's supposed to be the climax of the series and goes right to the very end of the, the story. Oh. So this actually got, you know, to beat the anime and actually showing <laughs> the ending of Naruto's story. Sorry. Which is, hell, I have to say is a little them... weird. Yeah, What what is... That that prevents them from. Well, the, I sorry, wish I, I could tell you because. Because I I thought the only reason filler happened was because they caught up with manga, so now the manga is like finished. They have no trouble of running out of material. No, in all honesty, unless, they've, unless... they've run out of excuses other than the fact that they might be just trying to milk this as much as they possibly yeah. can. Unless it's something like a series order, and when the contract was made they didn't know how many episodes how you know how long it was going to be before the manga was finished yeah i've i've got no clue i w- if i had more inside information on why that is i would i would tell you because oh. it would give me some kind of like resolutions like okay so i know when this series is actually going to end because they're already talking about doing a sequel anime series where they're going to be adapting some of the light novels that came out post manga right okay so, that's, that's that's another thing that they've gotten <laughs> after the movies, but yeah, so it's just like really, you're looking at the the production of these episodes, all these fillers. Just like really, guys, y- you don't have to do this anymore. 
And you can you can just keep going to the end of the story now, but at the very least, I was satisfied to be able to play this, you know, be able to see the end of the story and actually play it. Because, in all honesty, right. I prefer that to watching the anime. Because it's, it's more like of like a... They present the story in a smaller, kind of concise narrative between right. segments where right. you can play it. And it's it's still very satisfying. Yeah, with Naruto, actually, like, even more than Gravity Falls. <laughs> I was <laughs> like... It got to Shippuden um, in the manga, and then, like... I read like seven volumes of Shippuden and I was like, come on guys, let me know when this is finishing because <laughs> I just had to give it up because it seemed like there was going to be no end in sight. No, I, I, I don't blame you. In all honesty, I'm surprised I was actually able to keep up with it as long as I did. But I was reading the manga long after I stopped watching the anime um, because you can buzz through like you know, a couple of books a night. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the anime, it's like 20 whole minutes to yeah. slug through. And um, it's, uh, it's just, it just got a bit tedious really. But I, I, I did, I used to love watching Naruto um, because there used to be some really cool um, scenes of animation where some really great animators just like had at it. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I I always noticed was whenever they would change up an animation style or put a new animator in charge of an episode, and some mm. of the ones that really got to you know to get the moment in the spotlight were really really interesting. There were kind of some notorious ones, like in Shippuden. There was that who's that dude who's like got all holes in his face and has black eyes and is got red hair. Oh, uh, Pain. Pain, yeah. He, uh, like, there was an episode with a fight with him where it got really nuts. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, think episode, I know exactly. What I, I can you're remember the about. episode numbers, like, episode 33 and episode 133 of the original series <laughs> have some really bloody good fights. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, so, th- so the game, um, it looks, it looks pretty cool. I used to play, um, the uh, Dragon Ball Z Budokai games. Oh, yes. Yep. And it kind of seems like a similar thing like that to me, where it's... Um, it's like that, but I would... It, yeah, like that, but better, I would say. Because... Of course, well, yeah, of course, it's like that was about 15 years ago, whenever. And I'm sure things have like come on a bit since then, because the story element was really um, basic in those games. There wasn't a story. Well, also, it's it's more than just the um, the one-on-one fighting sequences that they include in the story mode as well. There's also these big cinematic uh, sequences, like where, um, spoiler, when uh, Team 7, you know, Sasuke, Sakura, and Naruto finally get to have their big team up in the climax, and they're all showing off the techniques that they've, you know, they've learned over the course of the story to fight this, like, giant, like, mm-hmm. the back, lack of a better word, like a zombie army, and... There's this entire sequence where you're like seeing them doing all these different things, and it's just this huge like you're you're literally like, kind of like Dynasty Warriors, like plowing through these enemies, one after another, after another, and after another. This really big grand battle. Oh right. And it's there's touches like that that just make the story, you know, the event feel all the more huge mm-hmm. and over the top. And it's because if it wasn't over the top, then it wouldn't be Naruto. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
but yeah, it was really, really fun to play, and a lot of the new, like, gameplay mechanics that they added for it were really satisfying, being able to switch out, if you've got a team of characters, being able to switch out between which ones you're playing as on the fly mm-hmm. is really cool, and yeah, it's just all-around fun game if you want, like, a if you don't really have time to watch the anime or read the manga and you just want kind of like a Reader's Digest version of what this Naruto story is about and you've got an Xbox One or 360 or or PlayStation uh, PlayStation 4, buy these games. That's probably, I would say, probably be the best way to try and get the gist of what this story is about. Oh, a Digest version of the story sounds like heaven. But yeah, that's what I've been doing this past week. So, um, <laughs> if you uh, if if that's everything, then I think we're set to move on to our main topic. So, um, now I guess we're going to talk about uh, Pixar. Mm-hmm. Because what with this being our 30th episode? Yep, and this being their 30th anniversary. Exactly. We thought it was uh, only appropriate to uh, raise a glass and talk about some fond memories. And um, just kind of like what, 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 this, what the studio means. It's so crazy to think because... It is just a studio, but like it, it, throughout the years, people have like um, people talk about like that Pixar feeling, mm-hmm. you know. And there's they've 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 gone like beyond a studio. They're they're really really important in like the history of animation and the history of movies now. And um, yeah, their their influence like can't really be overstated i don't think no they, they, uh, they've left a big impact on like you said on movies and filmmaking and of course you know animation in general the fact that they are the ones that they're basically the ones who pioneered 3d animation yeah they're, they're the ones who like i guess popularized it and um mm-hmm. like the important thing with toy story is that it it, it the fact that it's computer animated has little very little to do with like the story no, yeah. And, like, before you even get to how it was made, it was, like, a good movie. Um, I mean, I, I guess... So, like, we're not, we're not going to talk about the history of Pixar because there are some great documentaries that exist that already talk about, like, you know, the acquisition from Lucasfilm and, you know, how Steve Jobs got involved and all the rest of it. And that's very interesting. But... I think, like, for me, when I when I think of Pixar, I think of them in kind of like a weirdly personal way, because I was really young when they kind of uh, started making movies and made an impact. Um, and I actually, I remember the first thing I think I ever saw that was technically Pixar. Mm-hmm. Was um, old episodes of Sesame Street used to have Luxo Junior shorts? Oh, do you remember down. that? I actually don't think I ever had the opportunity to see those, but I didn't realize yeah. that as part of Sesame Street. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm all. I do. I haven't like checked it out for certain, but I do remember seeing those on TV before, um, like Toy Story came out, um, and just being fascinated with them because I was vaguely. So like CG animation wasn't um, uh, when I was like re- I'm. I'm thinking like I must have been like four years old when I when I saw these. I was kind of vaguely aware of it in that, like, commercials used it, and, um, you know, there were there were computer graphics around. Yeah. So it wasn't a completely alien alien thing, but I did use I did. Yeah, I vaguely remember watching like Luxo Junior things on. Um, I guess they didn't ever do other shorts, so it must have just been Luxo Jr. Well, Luxo they... Jr. was one of the big ones, but there were other Pixar shorts. Like, I think they're very... I mean, I think it was before they actually became an official studio, was this, uh... There was a short... Yeah, most of them were just, like, single-hand... single-handedly animated and made by John Lester. Yeah, they, um, and one of them, I think, the first ones that I think was came out was The Adventures of Andre and Wall, Wally B. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, that one's. <laughs> yeah, it's. That it's, one was interesting. It's interesting, but it's it's so crazy to. I mean, you look at it now, and it looks kind of shoddy and quaint and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you think like, oh no, that that was like the first. He was the that was the first time that was ever that, um, that anyone ever did that. Mm-hmm. Is kind of mind blowing. It um, really is. But yeah, yeah How so far like, they've come since then. Mm. And I, I, yeah, I remember. I think I vaguely remember, like you know, as I said, Lexo Junior. But really, it it was when Disney um, came out with uh, Disney and Pixar came out with um, Toy Story. I was five years old when it came out, mm-hmm. and I think. It was probably the first movie which I like made a fuss to my parents about going to see because I'd seen um, like uh, trailers and I, I there were there were like behind the scenes um, uh, specials on TV where they were like showing people like computers and I was like oh wow what's this new thing I've got to see it mm-hmm. I didn't even I I don't know if I even really knew what it was about it just looked like a fun cartoon to me yeah um and i I also remember like being in a playground at a farm and there was a kid there who um so like in in the um actually no it must have been like a pirate copy of toy story that he had (laughs) but he was telling me that he that he had it on video or maybe the u.s release was like so uh, maybe the UK release was like such a delay from the US release. Maybe I'm not sure because I think, as I know, in at least as far as I understand, it came out in 1995. Right. In the US. So I don't know if that's a big difference between when it came out here and when it came out in the UK. That's true. I, I, I just remember this kid just like saying to me, "Oh, you know, I've seen Toy Story," and me just like, "What? You've seen it?" And <laughs> then suddenly, from then on, wanting to see it even more. Um, so like, and, and then as I got older, there were more 
Pixar movies like every few years. So I would like draw, you know, the characters and buy you know the storybooks that came out with like a Bug's Life and um, uh, you know Toy Story two and I can. So it's it's so weird because um, it, it's it's I I don't know about you. It's a really personal thing when I think about the movies because I can remember like who I went to see them with and they'll relatives who have like since passed on and I remember like these um like trips is like really special like moments that I I shared with them uh uh you know so I can remember where I was when I saw Toy Story 2 with my grandma and Finding Nemo with my other grandma and um you know so I kind of remember like the movies growing up in the same way that I guess I do Harry Potter. Like, I feel like I grew up with, with their output from the studio. Um, and it's kind of like tied to my childhood in a way that I don't like. Say, I don't like it when people say like, Oh, my childhood, like referring to like fucking ghostbusters or something like that, because <laughs> you know, but, but they, they, they were like a big part of, my childhood really is is weird to say that but it's it's, it's not so much the material itself it's i mean it's it sounds more like it's just the, the, the fact that you got to see them with you know close family members and well it is that but it is also the material it is also you know like people were doing like mm-hmm. people were just like repeating jokes on the playground from the movies and you know, that's a cool feeling if you've like you've seen them you at that age when you've seen a movie that everyone else has seen and then you're all like hanging out together and talking about it like it's some kind of inside thing yeah and i i yeah i remember like loads of people at school like doing dory just quoting dory lines all the time mm-hmm. uh when finding nemo came out so she's very, very quotable yeah exactly yeah so i mean like before you even get into like what the movies are and the studio is already they're just like they're really special to me the studio uh yeah how how about how about you i mean like is it is it much the same for you it is also very um i'm very emotionally tied to the studio and the movies that they've put out since like i was like it's very same for me I, I grew up you know watching them though i can't honestly remember if I ever really got to see like Toy Story in theaters because I think all I remember all I have memory of is like, being able to watch it like I think my we had the VHS tape mm-hmm. and I basically just watched that tape so much that we eventually wore it out but <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was surprisingly it was I think it was the very first series of films that I actually kind of became very interested in what made it tick. Like, first there was Toy Story, and Mm -hmm. then Bugs Life, and then Leave Monsters Incorporated followed followed not too long after that. Yeah. And, um... Oh, no, it was was Toy Story, Bugs Life. Oh, no, Toy Story Story 2, excuse me. I can't believe I forgot, you know, I I have to include Toy Story 2. What the hell's wrong with me? Um... (laughs) But, yeah, then, um, just watching all these films, like, you know, watching more and more of them came out and we finally, after watching that first one, we started to actually go to the theaters to see them. 
Mm-hmm. So they those became more of like family experiences. Like I would be with, I would be there with my mom, my brother, or my dad. And uh, I don't know. There was just I guess when I first my first initial impression of them. That's the first I can back I can remember was I couldn't see a lot of similarities between their films and the Disney film, even you know just different kind of type of animations, like how they were able to tell story, you know tell a story that could appeal to not just me as a kid, but also to adults as well, because I would always remember my mom and dad being just as excited and just as enthusiastic about these films as my, my brother and I were. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool, because most of, the, most of the stuff I remember growing up with and, you know, watching, and having to watch it with my mom or my dad, most of the times they were either kind of semi-interested or not interested at all. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember um, watching Monsters, Inc. with my dad and him laughing so much. It was like, one, more than one me. of those things <laughs> where, you, like, you're, you, as a kid, you're looking up at your parents, you know, they're having a good time, just like, wow, it's possible for both of us to have a good time together. They yeah, like what I yeah. Like. And that's kind of like a bit of a acknowledgement or, you know, it feels a bit of encouragement. It's like, hey, I'm like, I like something that's cool. It's something that grown-ups like. And that was the very first time I got that feeling, at least when it came to like a non-live-action film. Hmm, and that's that's really interesting. I think I think actually, for for me was um, a big part of it was I I was like one of those kids who always drew and always drew in the margins of my book and um, at school when I shouldn't have been. And, you know, I was just always drawing. And when these movies came out, they had a really big effect on me uh, with, like, what I drew. So, like, you know, I'd, 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 I'd tear, you know, pictures from magazines just so I could draw, like, Flick from A Bug's Life. Or, mm-hmm. you know, just I remember the images Actually, I was probably like the first things I remember when I think about the movies because um, I just thought they were beautiful. And it, and it, it, the really cool thing was what like their DVDs have really great making of things. Yes, and they I was really, actually just going to get into that next. Yeah, and they really like the, um, their whole like uh, philosophy of like creativity was just so inspiring to me, you know. Um, seeing uh the artwork they had posted on their walls or like the footage they have of um of like people pitching storyboards um uh you know like video of people pitching storyboards like um of the army men yes yes and it like that stuff just like blew me away because I was sitting on the floor drawing and there were people like, you know, halfway around the world kind of doing the same thing, really. But yep. they were making these movies that became something. And yeah, that had a really quite a profound effect on me, really. Um, and then like once the art book started coming out, like, I got the Finding Nemo art book. Um, God. I can only imagine how awesome that is. It's beautiful, and it had all these pastel drawings in them. And I immediately went, well, I'm going to have to get pastels too. <laughs> so I went and I got, like, oil pastels. And I, tr- I remember just, like, learning so much from those artists. 
mm-hmm. really. Uh, so, like for me, it's really not just the movies; it's it's like everything else. About. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit it was the same for me as well. Like I, I was just saying earlier, the Pixar films were the very first movies in general that after I would watch them, and we were starting, you know, getting once we got to the DVD era of films and they were release, re-releasing everything for the DVDs, that did include those, you know, how we made the film kind of features mm, on mm. the DVD. I actively pursued them. I wanted to know how they made these movies and what all went into them. And that was, yeah. This was coming from someone who, you know, was basically just a casual moviegoer as a kid. Yeah, so I would yeah. watch things and I would enjoy them, but I wouldn't really dig too deep underneath the surface about what made a tick. But once once it was made available that you know I could find out more about what made the Pixar films what they were, I just I ate that up. Oh, Every yeah. single bit of extra content they provided on these movies, I just I couldn't get enough of. Mm, it kind of made me like almost like it wanted me made me aspire to be like, oh, wouldn't it be so awesome to work in Pixar's storyboarding? <laughs> or to learn how to storyboard yeah. and be able to do something like that because just oh I mean, I know it's a lot of hard work, and in reality, it's a lot of hard work being able to do all that kind of stuff. But it's, mm. I get, I would like to think that it's the kind of work that I really couldn't, you know, enjoy doing, and I'd feel really satisfied doing it. Yeah, that well, they have the when the the kind of the cliche of Pixar um, behind the scenes footage is like people on those micro scooters just like scooting around everywhere. <laughs> but they kind they kind of made like a really. Um, like concerted effort to uh, to promote that that image of them as being like a Willy Wonka's chocolate factory of you know that's what make, it seems like, make so like with the way they advertise it. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so they've been around for thirty years, which is which is nuts. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a long nuts. time. Yeah, and and they uh, they've they've been producing like feature movies for I guess twenty years, right? I guess so. Yeah. Because Pixar, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, just over twenty. I guess Toy Story's twentieth must have been last year. Yeah. And like in that time, they've they have changed. I think because the thing at first used to be, you know, uh, everyone thought that it was. Um, a what if plus a childhood thing. So like, what if toys could come to life? What if monsters are real? What if bugs something? (laughs) What if bugs had a society that we couldn't see? Right. Right. Yeah. So a gold, what if Uh, if a clownfish could go on this big, amazing journey Mm -hmm. through the ocean just to find his son? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I can't really like, it's kind of tricky to like break down their like eras of you can you can say you you can kind of do that sometimes with you know directors you can say like oh this was their something period or you know like artists mm-hmm. um i think for pixar it's it's trickier i would certainly say that there's like it's is what is is notable that when brad bird came to pixar basically yeah. They kind of like stepped up a gear, I think. Definitely. And I still 
I loved Inside Out. I think it was amazing. Um, and and it, it is one of their best movies. But f- before Inside Out came out, like I think the pinnacle was Ratatouille. Because it was... It was... Um, it was it was purely coming from the filmmaker. I felt. Yeah. Was he wasn't trying bad. to second guess what the audience wanted. He was just like they were. They were all saying, you know, "Hey, we think this is cool. What do you think?" So I did um, a rat, a rat that cooks, and uh, another. Um, I think it was Brad Bird's of uh, first time directing for Pixar was uh, a family of superheroes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I. I Ratatouille is one of my and just one of my uh, favorite animated movies ever. So, mm-hmm. like when I think of Pixar, I always think of Ratatouille because it's my mom's personal favorite Pixar film because she loves to cook. She loves watching those cooking shows, mm-hmm. looking at these gorgeous kitchens and all that stuff. And basically, this movie is like is you know it's, it's like eating a good meal for her. It's it's like it's. Being able to see oh, the yeah. process and everything. She's been dying to recreate the ratatouille dish. That, oh, um, yeah. You can find film. the recipe online. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can find the recipe online. And she's done that multiple times. And we've actually had the ratatouille no way. dish more than once in my house. And it was wonderful. Oh, I'm, i got to try that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really... When it comes to the Pixar films, it's, I mean, the concept of the story that they decide to, you know, that that they pitch for each movie is definitely interesting and it's and unique. But I think it's not just the concept that was what makes these movies so strong. Oh, it's yeah. It's about how they're told. Which aspects of the story they decide to focus on. Uh-huh. And how they develop the uh, character or characters in the film. Because it seems like, because you could take some of these stories and you could do the typical cliche thing about how they a certain character could approach a situation, but they don't do that. It seems like they take a, they take a very atypical approach to like, okay, we're going to have this story, but we're going to focus on this aspect of the, of the story and the character's dilemma facing such, you know, a problem. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it feel very real. Right. Yeah. I think that it's, it's kind of weird. Like they are the biggest animated movies ever with these like giant budgets and giant marketing budgets and you know like they're they're everywhere like when they come out they're Mm -hmm. they're everywhere yeah um but yeah they they i think the reason they're so successful is because they get those intimate moments they do and they wriggle into people's hearts and they uh they they really um create like really relatable characters really you know um so many parents like you know must uh well we know many parents related to toy story 3 and finding nemo um and toy story 2 as well uh so they they know like to essentially play to to everyone and just one person at the same time you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think also like so it's it's kind of tricky and it seems a little bit unfair to talk about them like this, but comparing them with like other studios, they they are consider 
they are highly thought of because they have something of an integrity about them. You know, for a long time they weren't doing sequels and they were relatively um, disciplined when it came to like pop culture references and fart gags. Yeah. And things which could easily make like, you know, younger people in the audience giggle for five seconds but don't really add up to like good movies. Yeah. And I think that's uh been thrown into question lately. Yeah. With um what well, how would you say with um the good like with the films that they've come up with the past like ten years you'd say? Ten years. Well, what would that mm, maybe yeah, I I think cars is kind of considered like the their first it's not it wasn't a flop, but it was like critically uh received in a lukewarm fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so I I don't know. Um like I said, it's 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 kind of seems unfair to like hold them to that high yeah. standard and everything. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the sim- similar opinion of the of similar so like Cars wasn't a terrible film, or even the I wouldn't dare say even the the sequel that they did for that movie wasn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, I can it's definitely not their strongest material, at least not compared to you know Finding Nemo, the Toy Story trilogy, mm-hmm. and how the fact that they were able to get that make that a successful trilogy period is amazing. I know it seems like it seems harsh, like to say all these things, but really. We're only saying it because they've set themselves such a high bar, and they raise yeah, the, first, the first series of films. Like it was just like hit after hit after hit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And and it was about like you know, Cars is a fine movie. It's it, I mean I don't mean it's I mean it's fine. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not it's not fine, but it's uh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, it's not bad, really. It's just like it, it's kind of lacking like a level of sophistication that the movies had attained. Yeah, and I think had it come out like ten, five years earlier, it would have been received fine. Yeah, but the fact that it came out like after um, The Incredibles is just unfortunate, really. Yeah, that was that was the film that really set the even higher bar for Pixar films, I think. So when yeah, you follow yeah. that up with Cars, is I think probably again I agree why the film is considered lesser for it, but it's that's like you said, it's unfair. Yeah, so so Cars like happened and it was fine, and then after Cars there was um, you know Ratatouille, which is a masterpiece. And you have like these these movies with like really almost bonkers creative premises. Um, Wally up. Which uh, are all I mean, like I like you literally you just said both you like well the name of Wally and I feel like, like I, I was almost like going oh because I love that movie yeah so much yeah exactly it's and um. And those movies are great, and I, around that time, you just knew, like, oh, Pixar meant something outlandish, creative, but 
heartwarming and it worked. Um, and then uh, it seems like so. Hang on, that was we had cards. Oh, and the next one was Toy Story Three. Yeah. Which was now, as I remember it, it 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 had um, people were like cautious about it. Well, yeah, because I think mainly one of the reasons why is because at least with the, where they left off with Toy Story 2, it's, at least in my personal opinion, it seemed like it had told a complete story. I mean, mm. we knew, we all knew Andy was going to grow up and something was going to happen to the toys, but we didn't, I, at that point, we didn't really feel like we needed to see what it was. It was just going to be, oh, well, regardless of what happens then, you know, what happens afterwards, you know, we know that they're going to enjoy the most of the time that they have with him now so yeah it, it's 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 trick i think that's really honestly where the whole sequel fatigue basically started mm-hmm. pixar and and also so something happened at pixar after ratatouille which is it was acquired by disney yeah and the i think the executive um uh control it must have waned somewhat or they were answering to someone who they weren't before because after Toy Story 2, after Toy Story 3, which was a massive hit, we got Cars 2, which critically no one was asking for. Not really, no. The only people who were asking for it were like the kids who were buying Cars toys. Or that there's still Cars merchandise. Exactly. Wherever you look. Exactly. It's kind of been overtaken by the Frozen merchandise, to be fair, but it still exists. Mm -hmm. So, and then people started to, like, say, oh, Pixar's lost it. Um, And that was in 2011. Yeah, 2011 into 2012. And then, what was the next Pixar? Oh, Brave. Yeah, Brave. 2013. Which was again received really lukewarmly. Uh, I really like Brave. Yeah, it was it was different, but a good different in my mind because it was it it focused on a character relationship uh, that hasn't normally focused on in a fantasy kind of fantasy story, yeah. evil fantasy with which was the do- relationship between a mother and a daughter. Mm, it's it's a... normally the mother's dead in a fantasy film, right? <laughs> yeah, dead or evil. Dead, evil, or deathly ill. Mm. So, so you have uh, a smaller movie, which is, and actually, when it was when Brave came out that I gave Cars another chance, mm-hmm. and I was speaking to a friend about Cars, and we were like, "What is it about it? Because it's not a bad movie; it just is out of time." And if you like, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure that if Cars had been made in the 40s or the 50s at Disney, it would kind of be fondly remembered and it would be fine and there's something kind of quaint about it. Mm-hmm. But it coming out in 2006 is just a bit odd. It, it, it's something about it seemed like it hadn't caught up with, like I said before, just the sophistication of the sorts of movies they were making. Yeah, so it really, really all comes down to timing, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was like it's really not the film's fault to entirely of the, the yeah. perception. It's more of the fact that they're 
time release. I mean, you could even say Cars 2, even though I'm not overly fond of that film uh-huh. at all. Like you said, that followed Toy Story 3, which I am over the moon in love with. So it's just like, really, yeah. you make it a very difficult competition between the two films. I was willing to give Cars 2 a chance. And actually, every time Cars 2 is on TV, I'll watch the opening five minutes. Because it's mm-hmm. a great car chase. But after that, it turns into a pile of crap. And you have to... I'm, I'm sorry. I, no one likes Mater. No one likes him. Apart from John Lester. <laughs> and... Sorry, John Lasseter. And Cars 2 is all about Mater. Um, and it's just like, I don't know what happened, because around this time, so, you know, um, I think it was around 2008 or 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it was actually 2006, because it, uh, the 10-year anniversary was this week, or last week. Uh, was John Lasseter uh, had some sort of creative director role at Disney as well. Yeah. So he was spilling two plates at once with Pixar and with Disney. Yeah, he was going fixing. back and forth between the two. Yeah, that's fixing... That Disney Animation Studios was starting to get in development, or...? Um, well, they... they was that way before that? No, no, well, they had made, um, Me the Robinsons. Ah. Uh, and then... It was for Brave, actually, that John Le- was the first movie that John Lester um, was. I think is it Creative Chief is what he's called. He it's something like that, some strange title. Yeah. Which basically means he's he's a he he has a similar role to Dis- to Walt Disney actually, mm-hmm. where he's like he's a voice of like reason that people have to answer to. I think. Yeah, like they'll pitch him an idea, and then he basically he'll make the decisions. Like, okay, go with that, or no, don't go with that. Yeah, like when you hear Disney artists um, and directors talk about decisions being made, they'll say, "Oh, we took it to John," and it's like they always have to answer to him. And I think that producing films in that way is very different to being a director. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really surprised that cast to ended up the way it did when John Lasseter was doing so many things on top of men, you know, on top of like directing this movie. Yeah. Uh, I think he made several uh, comments in the, the one documentary that they did about, you know, Pixar and its development was uh, the fact that they'd be working on these movies and there'd be long, long times where they would just not be able to have any interactions with their families and friends and everything. It's just, kind of sad so when you've got all of that you know you have more more responsibility piling on just like how how can you even survive sometimes well i'm yeah i'm sure uh yeah it's really tricky because at a certain point when you get so powerful you know it's you you're just gonna um it's it's gonna be very tricky to keep focused on smaller things really because now John Lester's really involved with like money and making money and having a little bit more of like a a, a role as like marketing mm-hmm. in, in marketing than making movies really so so you know like it, it was kind of clear around like Cars 2 people were like worried about Pixar yeah but the thing, but the thing is like well, as we were saying before 
people think so funny of Pixar that it was like a friend of yours letting you down. It was like, hey, buddy, are you okay? What's going on? It's like, do you want to sit down and talk about it? <laughs> like, that's basically like the entire community when, like, with the, after Cars 2 happened, they busy everyone looking at Pixar. I was like, it's like, are you okay? Do you need, do you need help? <laughs> do you need to talk to somebody? Yeah. And, because, and it, yeah, you're right. It is like, is because after all the films that they've put out up until that point, just like, that's, that's the kind of relationship they've built with their audience. Hmm. And, 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 and so, so like, there was a, there was this little period after Cars 2 where, um, some of the younger directors of the studio stepped forward. Or I say younger, I just mean, uh, those who had not directed yet, basically. Mm-hmm. Step forward and, um, Brenda Chapman and she developed Brave and then it was, um, taken over by Mark Andrews, who, who, who was actually, I think he was brought to Pixar by Brad Bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was like a storyboard artist on The Incredibles, and he's a great story story artist. Um, and he made Brave, so it was, it, was, it was clearly a smaller movie, but I felt like some people faulted them for that, rather than accepting that it was by design a smaller movie. That's, that's, a that's a shame. Toy Story three, and I think the like, similar. That, that's I, not fair. Again, I say that's not fair because it's, it's, yeah, it's not fair. But then again, it's like Pixar made a name for themselves, right, as a brand. Mm-hmm. Where you think of Pixar, you think Toy Story, Finding Nemo, big movies with like you know epics, basically. Yeah, and then like when an intimate movie like Brave comes along. People are people think it's like a mistake. Like, hey, did you? There was only like two places in that movie. <laughs> you know. To but, be fair, to be fair, when they first released the teaser for Brave, it did seem like it was going to be one of those big films. Right. It it seemed like it was going to be like very like magic mystery. I mean, uh, princess or heroine character that mm-hmm. was really badass. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and. and the uh, the main character in Brave, regardless of the, you know between the actual trailer and the film, she's still a bit of a badass, and to have how kind of like get up and go she is. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a perfect movie, but it's still a very good movie. Mm-hmm. And and like as we were saying, and this is just the problem that Pixar have made for themselves. Mm-hmm. We know what they're like at their best, and anything less than that is like a disappointment to some people. Yeah, and. Just... Kind of, a, which is kind of sad because I just want to be able to enjoy all of their movies, regardless. But yeah, I they're all uh, technically good movies in their own right. It's just, like I said, timing and uh, just placement. Yeah, and then and then like we then like they released their slate for the next few movies, and it was like Monsters Inc. Two, and then uh, and uh, uh, the Good Dinosaur. Um, and then Inside Out, and then something else. Uh, I think I think they had announced like Cars Three at that point. Oh, so I forgot, about, I forgot they were doing a Cars Three. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget that. So um, I, 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 Monsters University, I really think is another good smaller 
but brilliant movie. Same. I I don't understand why people harp on that one because I mean, sure, it may not. It's a more of a co- you know a typical story of like a college kind of thing, but still, the world that they created for Monsters Inc. Period is wonderful, and we got to explore that a bit more with this film. And I was more, I just ate it up all over again. Yeah, no, it, it and it's and it's got a, the central relationship really works. Yeah. I and I, I love the ending. I love that scene where they're um in the real in the in the human world and they're sitting by the uh um by the lake near the you know near the summer camp and they talk that about such a great moment how scared they are yeah it's it's a lovely movie and um but the the, the problem is is when you've got a Pixar name there people are going to have expectations mm-hmm. not necessarily like clear ones they're, they're going to be like a checklist almost you know rather than like emotional expectations yeah actually i think that's something that happened to um inside out funnily enough really yeah i think so i was talking to someone in the week who didn't who thought inside out was fine and i asked like why and they went well it's because and this person is not like th- th- this person um i really like respect their opinion and everything and they they really know movies and everything. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's just like the, the, the ending is just like, ugh, she gets on a bus and then she doesn't. She goes back to her home. Like, it kind of felt like they flunked it. And I was listening and I was like, well, why would you think that? Because emotionally, the stakes are really high. And you've got, I think you have like one of the best endings they've ever had to a movie. Agreed. But then I was thinking, well, think about the climax of Toy Story 3. It was like a big set piece and it was, it delivered, you know, on that front. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't have these, people wouldn't have these opinions of like DreamWorks movies. People wouldn't have these opinions of any other studio, I don't think. Not even Disney. You'd say that it's... That it's, it's that's where Pixar is. Yeah, win over Disney. I think I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so it's and well, yeah, I think they do because also like they're younger and cooler than Disney, so <laughs> they don't have like all the baggage, all the baggage of um, sorry, all the baggage of um, you know, of all these other movies that were not so great, like behind them. Uh, Pixar, like, you know, meant, like, you know, it was, like, uh, it was a bit Silicon Valley, it was a bit cool, it was, you know, modern and everything. So I think that's why people consider them differently to Disney. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tricky because... They're obviously a really creative bunch of people, and they really, the company clearly values the creative stuff. Yeah. Um, but you just like, I don't know about you, but just recently, I'm just like, well, value those people and let them make their own stories. But it seems like so they. Um, well, I'm all over the place. I'm really That's sorry. Okay. That's all right. Uh, they announced like a 
slate of upcoming movies. Was it last year? Last summer? Uh, I think it might have been last summer. They announced Inside Out, Big Dinosaur, Coco, um, something else. Finding Dory mm-hmm. and um, Cars 3, Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2. Yeah. We see all these sequels now, and it's kind of. For, I, I, we spoke about it on the podcast, and it for a few people, I think it kind of sent alarm bells ringing of like, oh, Christ, guys, are you, are you okay? They, they, they de- are you developing sequelitis? Yeah, exactly. Like, is it time for another Pixar intervention? Where we... <laughs> well, at least from uh, like, since Chris unfortunately couldn't wasn't able to join us this week, he did make uh, make sure I was aware of another bit of news that I wanted to include in this podcast that may belie some of those fears. That while there are slated to be a lot of uh, sequels in Pixar's lineup, there have been, uh, I believe the president uh, of the company, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Jim Morris, made the announcement that um, over the next few years, that after those films are released, like um, much like Coco, there are going to be plenty of other original films in their okay. lineup. So, like, we're going to get like, a whole bunch of sequels, and then a bunch, a whole bunch of original films right after. Okay. So, it seems there is a kind of plan to all of this. That maybe these sequel mm. films might be buying them some more time to better maybe think out these other films that they're planning. Well, yeah, I don't know what it... I think, honestly, what it is, is it's because since the Disney acquisition, there has probably been a stronger emphasis on who they answer to. Uh, And it comes down to shareholders. And, like, um, Incredibles 2 was announced at a shareholders meeting. Mm -hmm. So for me, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about why it's being made. Yeah, it's not Um, so much of the creativity, it's more of the numbers. which, Which is, like... Which is fine because movies are business, and it's you're always with movies going to be walking a line somewhere between commerce and art. Yeah, and more movies than than you know uh, more often than not swing towards commerce rather than art, which is part of it, and it's part of what movies are. But when Especially they swing, for big studios like Pixar, yeah, and but when they swing too far in the other direction, I think. It leaves like a bad taste in the mouth, really. <laughs> well, especially since you know they can do so much more than just that. It's it's so crazy for me. Like it's it's not like I think Pixar still have a name which can sell a movie. Like look at Inside Out. You that wasn't a sequel of anything, but it no. did really well, and it's a great movie, and it has a legacy now. It's probably gonna, or you know, it's it's sweeping up awards. And it's going to be fondly remembered, and they probably made a bunch on like uh, download and, and home home releases. So I don't really see what the problem with commerce is there, other than the fact that sequelitis is affecting all of Hollywood, and it's a uh, it's a smaller risk to make sequels. Yeah, 
especially when you know you've already have established characters yeah and stories that maybe you haven't you've left untold up until now yeah and they're not going to be bad movies like incredibles 2 is not going to be a bad movie no i'm just saying is life short movies take a long time to make and when it's when you have a team as creative as like the people who work at pixar why not ask them what new cool ideas they have why not bring something else into the world you know talk 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 to new people yeah and i i i I think they're slowly doing that i mean because with the uh announcement this week that mark andrews and i think dan scanlon who uh, directed um, Brave and Monsters University, respectively. Yes, yes. I think they have uh, original movies in development. Yeah, I think he, he was one of, the, one of the names that was brought up. Yeah, so... Uh, anyway, I, I think that's uh, encouraging. Yeah, that they're doing... That they're swinging from one end of the spectrum with the commercial kind of the commercialism with with some of the sequels, which you could have some opportunity to be more, more creative for those as well, but not nearly as much as for the original films, and then they're going to swing right back around. Yeah, sure. Yeah, in, in, like, enough. Like a pendulum effect. Yeah, and it's not the same as an unbroken track record, which is, which is admirable and kind of impossible when things get as huge and, as I was like saying, like as commercially involved as they do get in a Pixar. Mm-hmm. It's it just uh, it just makes you want like okay so the trailer for Finding Dory yeah this is I mean it's pointless to talk about movies and trailers because you can't judge a movie from a trailer but no. not really nothing really about the visuals in that really seems like they've taken leaps and bounds since. Since Finding Nemo to me. Since the original Finding Nemo. I've noticed like when I've seen it a couple different, you know, a little bit like things like in terms of the facial expressions seem a bit more polished okay. than they used to be. But no, yeah, the, the, the difference, other than that, the difference between the two styles is almost like, like you'll barely see any changes at all. That's just you- because that original animation in the first film was just that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, like, that's another weird thing where it's like these movies take so long to make and they have such an emphasis on, like, visuals. They're like, I, I'm... As, like, a bratty little moviegoer, I'm gonna be wanting t- to have, like, a visual treat. You know, rather than... uh yeah, looking at something that looks so strikingly similar to a movie which is like fifteen years old. Well, at least, at least with Finding Nemo, uh, Finding Dory, and Finding Nemo, you're, the setting that you're dealing with is the frickin' ocean. There right. are so many different kind types of visuals you can explore with that that weren't handled in the first film. I mean, they were able to cover a lot in just that first. Uh-huh. Film. Don't get me wrong. Actually, that's, the yeah. ocean is still a very big place. That's true, and to be to be to be fair and to be kind of brutally honest, that doesn't necessarily make a good movie because true. look at the good dinosaur. It's a stunning movie, and 
I can't wait to own it on TV on Blu-ray and to like pour over it and to watch all the making of and everything. Mm-hmm. But the film does not stand up to Pixar standards in terms of like character development really and story and you know the the core stuff which you'd hope would be there i'm not gonna say anything because i know we've already had a discussion on (laughs) the good dinosaur and i don't understand why i'm not nearly bothered by the movie's problems as everyone else seems to be okay well for, for me it's kind of like the cars thing where that movie would have been fine had it come out in the late 90s. Like, if that had come out, you know, even if it had come out, like, maybe before Finding Nemo, it would mm-hmm. be fine. Uh, but that's not enough, really, now- nowadays. And I think Pixar have set a higher bar than the one that that movie reaches in terms of yeah, a compelling story. It's it's just a little... It doesn't get away with being as uh, poetic as it thinks it is. I can understand that. I wanted a little bit more of like... Like, I still don't understand simply why Arlo earns his mark. Just because he manages to make it back home. And he drops that boy off with his with his family. It's like he's not really earned his stripe. It's not like in Finding Nemo, the character development is you know Nemo is the only one who can uh, stop all these fish from being caught in the net, and Marlin has to let go. Yeah, he has to let Nemo be who he is. He's found him now. He's gone. he's never going to let him go again. But right now, he needs to let him go. <laughs> and 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 that change, like that change in perspective uh, on the world from that character, is what makes the movie the movie, mm-hmm. really. And then, like by you know, the end shot is Nemo going to school and Marlin's fine. He's genuinely fine fine with it. Uh, and I didn't feel like anything like that kind of character development in uh, Good Dinosaur at least not to that extent I don't I I agree with you there right okay like I guess I agree like that's there is character development in the Good Dinosaur and just like you said the bar has been set so extremely high from the other, from the previous films, that when, like you said, when it falls short, people become concerned. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's not a bad movie at all. It's leaps and bounds above, like, in my in my view, like Megamind or Despicable uh, Me Two, or um, you know, other things. Really, yeah. It's just because it has that Pixar name on it. It's like uh, people are just going to expect more from it. It's interesting how that can be both a blessing and a curse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, I really, I really hope that this doesn't really, I mean, so far it seems that they've 
that the reputation that they've built from themselves, they built for themselves after thirty years, really doesn't seem to have made their, you know, with their, you know, their metaphorical like head grow too big in terms of the kind of stuff that they can make or what they can get away with. But mm-hmm. it's not like they're, it's not like they're they're still putting the same level of creativity almost pretty much every single time they make a film, regardless of whether and how well it's received. I Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was as excited to get the art book of Monsters University as I was to get the art book of Up. Mm-hmm. Because just the way they were depicting this world was just as inspiring to me as anything else they've done. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I th- I think that that's that's really it. Is just they've set themselves a a high bar, and it's 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 not the uh, the sprint, but well, not that they've done a sprint, but it's <laughs> it's a marathon basically of of being able to turn stuff out consistently. You I'm I'm kind of reminded of like um something that Miyazaki said about yeah. making movies he he said it's kind of a bit like being um he used the he used the um very japanese uh example of a guy who runs a really good ramen place mm-hmm. okay yeah. he says i can make a really good ramen dish right now and so could you okay but the guy who opens a ramen place he has to do it every single day and every time you go in you want that ramen to be as good as it was the last time if not better Exactly. And even if he makes like ramen that's not quite as good as it should be, you'll feel like what the hell's going on? You'll be disappointed. And, and for him, he's he says like movies are kind of no different. You're serving people, you know. Uh so yeah, uh I don't I don't really know where they're headed from now on, but there's there's they they are still um, a hub for like creativity and the most interesting people in animation pass through there still obviously uh, yeah happy 30th guys <laughs> yeah really <laughs> here's to another here's to another 30 really you know do you think even, last, even more do you think they'll last that long or or, or considering what? how strong they've the last 30 years have been Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a long. It's going to be a long time before they lose steam, and as long as they keep right. that mantra of embracing creativity and creative thinking, yeah. storytelling and animation, always in, and pushing the envelope from what is considered, you know, good animation to phenomenal animation, I think there's always going to be a place for them in movies and movie making. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know, every, despite everything we just said, they made Inside Out last year. Which is, you know, I think Pete Doctor's best film and <laughs> hands down his best film, and um, one of the best things the studio has ever done. So they've not lost it at all. Oh, never! I don't think they. I don't think they ever lost it. Period. Yeah. It's just they have moments where they just got to take a rest. Is all. Yeah, and and there was sort of there were. Um, I remember there were whispers around the time of Frozen, like, oh, has Disney taken over Pixar? And I don't think they really see themselves 
like that. I don't really see, I I really don't think they see themselves as competing with Disney in that sense. Not least because they're the same like umbrella. They're under the same umbrella company, basically. But it is clear that they uh, a lot of at least with the more recent films coming out of Disney that they are getting you know there is a lot of inspiration I think coming from what the Pixar films the earlier Pixar films did and what Pixar is currently doing and maybe Disney's trying to incorporate into their own model of how to make movies to an extent. Well, yeah, that's the Lasseter uh, influence, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The so. Lasseter effect. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm. It's it's so strange. I guess he's he's just as much a businessman as he's a filmmaker, and I I don't know if that's well. Well, do you, do, do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's uh, an easy thing to keep in check. No, it's not. And the fact that he's been able to pull it off as well as he can, I think, is extremely impressive. And he mm. should be very proud of himself for it. <laughs> You can say that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Just don't get those. Don't let the head get too big there, because that's when mistakes start happening. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that's that's kind of it. I mean, like we as we, we didn't really. I mean, we ended up, I guess, kind of going through uh, the filmography, I guess, a bit. Yeah, I mean, more or less everything. I think we I'm covered talking almost about- everything what it means for us and uh yeah it's, it's given me something to think about because i've 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 not really do you know what i haven't actually seen inside out since the cinema release oh uh planning on rewatching it maybe do you know, I, i'm not sure it, it honestly it had such a powerful effect on me that I don't know if I want to put myself through it again. It's like, wow, like how I, I'm asking myself, like, do you really like, you know, do I really want to watch Princess Kaguya again? Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the right night to put it to to, to put yourself through that uh, ever. Well, I'll, I will tell you this from my second experience of watching Inside Out after watching it in the theater. Um, I actually got more from it than I did the first time, and my mom, who watched it with me both times actually got something more from it the second time she watched it. So it is... That's just our experience. Oh, though. It might be yeah. It's incredibly you. dense. There's, it's definitely got more to give. It's just... It really took it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, I had... I was with people from work, and we went out for dinner afterwards, and I was, like... I was pretty sure I was fighting back tears, like, the whole time. <laughs> oh! Wow. Yeah. I can, I'm, I'm, Sorry, I, can, I think I, I just... I just to bed. that's okay i can sympathize <clears throat> uh yeah so but no we've yeah we've covered the whole the gambit of uh pixar topics i think there's their their, their place in in movie making and animation and like i said our, our own experiences with the studio in general just our impression of them and even speculating on what's to come so yeah i think that's pretty much everything we could really talk about I mean, we could, we'll probably be revisiting in later podcasts, maybe talking about some of their individual films, respectively. But other than that, like talking about the studio as a whole, I think we've we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, there I, is. I I guess we kind of realized that, you know, I think I think what we've what we've proven is that there are many things really. Yeah. And and it's like 
you can say, oh, that Pixar feel. And it really, it, it's kind of ended up meaning nothing. It just means good, I think, when people say it now. <laughs> and uh, apart from that, it's like, they there are many things. And uh, I think that's good. Yeah, I agree. It's not so, not something you can easily define, but that's also the that's part of the beauty of it. But yeah, it's a good discussion. I was really happy we got to manage, we got to talk about that and uh, pay tribute to the such an amazing studio for their thirtieth uh, anniversary. And we look very much looking forward to their future films. But that pretty much does it for this episode. And if you where Dan, where we, can we find you if we want to follow you more? What you're up to? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Hamu. And you can follow me at Fail2Ninja on Twitter. If you want to see more from Animation for Adults uh, and our more podcasts, check out animationforadults.com and we'll, we'll be covering more news topics and you can find more of our articles and reviews. And until next time, folks, we'll see you in, for episode 31. Alright, take care now. If I were a rich man With a million or two I'd live in a penthouse In a room with a view And if I were handsome No way It could happen Cause dreams do come true I wouldn't have nothing If I didn't have you Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have